0: Welcome to Film Inquiries, The Latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. On the other line, he's got the joy, joy, joy down in his heart.
1: Sorry, it's very early. It's, it's 10 uh... a.m. actually, but like to me, very early.
0: That was a uh, child Sunday school reference, in case you didn't. Any of the listeners didn't catch because today we're talking about. Don't take me back to that. We're era. going to to Paul Verhoeven Sunday School. Uh, what? Wel- welcome, welcome, Hunter. Do to the podcast. have
1: Sunday school? I don't know.
0: I assume they have some. I don't know. Gotta don't gotta th- scare th- the kids somehow.
1: I don't think this church did.
2: Well, welcome. Hello.
0: We I've i brought you on again because I need to need to sweep off the runway. To let you just sort of, like, land your takes. Because uh, this is this is a big Hunter Hallman movie. It is about a today. very
1: big me movie. Yeah. I um, mean. Yeah,
0: we're talking Ooh. about Paul Verhoeven's new film, Benedetta. Uh, which is, what's what's kind of the release going on with this? It's, like, in theaters now, but will be on demand, like, next week or something like that.
1: Yeah, so it's in theaters now, which it's in a few more than I expected. Like, it's in, at my local AMC. Mm-hmm. And, but it's also at the alamo in raleigh as well so mm, yeah so it's it's got an okay size release um they aren't licorice pizzaing it by being like oh only new york and la get to see it for a little while like sony did with l his previous film oh uh, um, that's right but yeah and then it'll be on demand december 20th so okay a bit. so a little Just later time than time i for thought Christmas. but
0: yes A perfect movie to gather the family around and watch
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it initially was supposed to be earlier, but I think since the the theatrical release is looking to be a bit bigger and it actually is kind of like pulling some uh, attention, I think Mm -hmm. they're going to try to keep that. Especially, like, I think they really want to keep the attention on it, particularly since it's not France's pick for best international right. film so they want to try to milk it as much as they can in any other way which like it's not like france's actual pick for best international feature is any less fucking insane
0: i, I was about to say france really had the the difficult choice of picking between two very provocative movies for their uh well their oscar pick this year
1: is this it was titan and it was an abortion drama Oh. It's just an it called happening. It's the one that won the Golden Lion.
0: Oh, that's just right. Just an
1: absolute nightmare for like anyone voting right. Like just Yeah. So But yeah. Should
0: should should get a little little broad. How how big of a Paul Verhoeven fan are you? Cuz I feel like we need to we need to start talking about Paul Verhoeven the the man, the auteur, one of our great provocateurs the concept. of cinema
1: yeah um i love paul verhoeven i he's one of those filmmakers where i i always feel oddly seen as a gay man in his movies not because anything he does remotely gets to that if anything it it focuses a lot more on like female you know Mm -hmm. nudity and luridity and all that um but there is this flash and this kind of like campiness, and like I'm talking true campiness. I'm not talking. I'm not talking fucking Jared Leto and House of Gucci type campy. I'm talking like truly in its core camp, mm-hmm. where it is something that is both self aware, but it's not taking itself, or it's not lowering itself to be lesser than just because it has a little bit of a more playful edge to it. Um and then I also love Verhoven because you just never know what you're going to fucking get with him. Are you going to get RoboCop? Are you going to get Total Recall? Ooh, what about Basic Instinct? Oh, he also did Showgirls. Oh, and then Starship Troopers and then Hollow Man and then a World War 2 drama and then L And now the lesbian nun movie. You just, you know, he never makes the same movie. And I consistently appreciate that.
0: Yeah. What, what, I'm probably embarrassed to not know this. What, what country is he from? He's from Denmark, right? Netherlands. Netherlands. That's right. So, I mean, basically for anyone who doesn't know, like Paul Verhoeven, like makes these very provocative movies in the Netherlands and probably kind of in like the seventies and eighties and then get sort of run out of his home country comes over to the to the united states i'm i'm really only familiar with aside from like the the couple french movies he's made recently like his american works like i i have you ever seen any of the his early stuff before from his home country it's a little hard to track down here in the states
1: i've never seen his dutch stuff to be completely honest with you um i do i've heard of some of them certainly right um but I've never actually seen them. I know he worked quite heavily with um Rutger Hauer. Right. Um, in his early stuff. And then I also know if I'm correct, he also worked with Renee Soutenjik, who is another really big uh name and kinda eighties French or not French, sorry, Dutch cinema. Mm-hmm. Um but I've never i never seen them. They are they are tough to track down. Um because for a reason they're very lurid very out there but also um older foreign films are incredibly hard to come across in america due to distribution and just like the whole kind of focus on newer media which is a whole thing across the board but let alone also with a foreign foreign language media so uh so yeah but other than that seen everything else
0: yeah i mean his pretty much the same thing happens here in the united states is you know the movies he makes here in america from like the late 80s through early 2000s i guess really pushed the bar in terms of sex and violence in american movies and i I kind of think all of them were good yeah i i I like all of them except for maybe one it's a hollow man yeah, Hollow Man's the one Hollow that Man's kind of... Hollow Man's not great. It, it feels like the watered-down Verhoeven movie, yeah. and some of the effects in there um, arguably cool for the time, but have not aged particularly It
1: well. got nominated for the Visual Effects Oscar. What are you talking about? Man? Yeah, no, I completely <laughs> agree. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I also agree. I think it's... it's... It's Verhoeven trying to do something more akin to, like, a blockbuster, and it doesn't work, particularly coming so soon after the kind of deconstruction of the blockbuster in, like, Starship Troopers.
0: Right. Or or Robocop, which is, yeah. you know, that's that's his, I think, first American movie. Yes. That is, I think, like, it's so interesting of, like, he's one of those directors. That, Actually, no, like,
1: Flesh and Blood is. Sorry. Oh,
0: that's right. So yep. I guess that's the one American one I've not seen.
1: Same as well. Yeah.
0: Um, But it's, it's interesting that, like, RoboCop, I feel like people totally get when it comes out of their, like, this is a satire of, like, Hollywood action movies and of, like, policing here in America and of, like, 80s corporate greed. Mm-hmm. And then he makes total recall which is i think also well received and yep. you know is is a schwarzenegger movie so it's a big hit as well um then he makes basic instinct which is another huge hit but i feel like that's when the the ground starts to shake of there's all of a sudden like a pushback against him of like this is lurid and this is inappropriate and this should not be in our movies
1: well this is the first time he ever in an American film deals so explicitly with sex as opposed to violence. But also that doesn't mean that this movie also doesn't have violence. Right. I would argue the
0: violent stuff is more disturbing
1: than the sex. But I think, well, I think also what is uh, a little bit more like touchy with something like basic instinct is how sex and violence weave into each other in a way that, A lot of times you don't see in other kind of big studio films and the fact that, you know, it's one or the other. Some movies can have both, but they're always sort of separate. And Basic Instinct is one where the sex and the violence are one. And it's just, I think it just made people feel weird. And it it wasn't super, super well received. I personally love Basic Instinct um fun movie yeah fun. Pro- that's, probably that's...
0: the horniest movie ever made i have to like i'm, I'm gonna yeah stake my claim on that tape yeah. right here
1: but i will say um like early 90s michael douglas does it for me so
0: you really like that moment where he's wearing the the like really 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 low-cut v-neck shirt oh no i the like club. the scene
1: where his whole whole ass butt and <laughs> cheeks are just out as he's walking into the bathroom that's a fun one
0: uh no
1: no what a, but like, what a
0: funny movie um yeah and, and, and then,
1: then don't forget basic instinct 2 as well which uh verhoven didn't direct but might as well have because yeah funny the
0: verhoven movies that like and because robocop and starship troopers are the same way too of like yeah. sequels that basically are like Oh, you like totally just like don't get the yeah. the art satire of the first one, but y- yeah, I mean, basically, basic
1: instinct two is almost like such a satire on the satire that it's kind of genius and like also, I mean, it's terrible. Don't get me wrong, but like it's it's infinitely watchable. Also, Charlotte Rampling is in it. It's the first movie I ever oh. saw Charlotte. First movie I ever saw Charlotte Rampling in, so that's fun, and uh, we get to see her here as well.
0: Yeah yeah so after basic instinct then there's showgirls and starship troopers which both both of these kind of like derided in their time and like i ca- i i have to be I honest like i know this is like a bad like not a, not a, just a boring take of like you go back and look at the like reviews for both of these and you're kind of like were people stupid like did people not get that these were both like intentionally very over the top and very arch and very satirical like it's it's wild to me that like people starship, would misread both of i these. get
1: that with starship troopers because i think starship troopers is an incredibly clever take on like old like b movies but also like american kind of like militarism it's, and, it's it's it's
0: basically a nazi satire but in space but you yeah. don't fully like register it's you know yeah. it's about war propaganda yeah. and all of that stuff
1: showgirls on the other hand <laughs> i don't know necessarily how much of that was intentional that i think it's said, all intentional
0: personally. Um,
1: i don't think elizabeth berkeley has the uh has the range to be intentional that being said, what comes of it is genuinely one of the most glorious film experiences I've ever had. It fun is fun movie. <laughs> it is true. Other than one scene. That yes, ruins, I I
0: that really disturbing rape that scene. That
1: ruins the fun. Yes. The sexual assault scene that brings it all down, and I'm just like, oh. Other than that, Showgirls is a goddamn good time. People who are like, it's bad, it's terrible. I'm like, shut up. It's amazing. But it's even like, then,
0: I think like that that scene is the like that's the sort of like hammer to the head of you of an audience of like, this is what this whole movie has been about is about like this world of misogyny and about yeah. like the way We're that, just not like,
1: choreographing it this time.
0: Right. It's, it's we don't about have the way special
1: of... effects and we don't have all of this like flash and pomp and like you know, vagusness of it. It's yeah. like, the, it's the vagusness that so many other girls have come to know over the years in a way that is not fabulous. It's not, it's not glamorous or anything like that. Um, right.
0: It's, it's about the way that like the entertainment industry, like sexualizes women and kind yeah. of like chews them up and spits them out. And, but it certainly um,
1: even, takes you out of the campiness a little bit where you're just like, yes. Oh, Oh, okay. never mind. This is, this is a little bit more, a lot more serious.
0: Yeah. And I'll maybe like go back into thinking like, I don't think Berkeley isn't, I'll, I will agree with you. I don't think Berkeley is intentionally giving a, Bad campy performance, but I think it's similar. Into how, like, I think the cast in Starship Troopers, like the main lead cast, is kind of bad, but I think they're not. I think it's both of those movies I think of so similarly of like these very attractive actors at the center who are not very good actors, but are not quite in on the joke. And Verhoeven, a bit kind of like smirking behind the monitor, is like, I know I'm putting this like really ridiculous person who like thinks they're like winning an Oscar right before your eyes and like is, is attracting sort of the ridiculousness to them. If that makes any sense of like, I think, I think he is t- intentionally putting kind of like, let's, let's just say not as great actors kind of. At so Denise the Richards. It, well,
1: just be honest. It's <laughs> Denise Richards. Yes,
0: it, exactly. Like, like it's, it's the same thing of him putting Denise Richards in Starship Troopers as Elizabeth Berkeley in, in, in showgirls is like, you know, he he's intentionally casting people who are maybe going to give kind of like a, a campy kind of bad performance i think even if they don't fully realize it yeah um so so after those movies and the you know bad hollow man movie um
1: which i he, think was more inconsequential than anything else
0: right i think no one you, really
1: remembers that specifically as a verhoven film it's just kind of like Oh yeah, that weird movie they made in uh, the early 2000s that wasn't very successful.
0: Right, remember when Kevin Bacon played the Invisible Man? That's that's basically the...
1: Yeah, no one's like... Yeah, remember that Verhoeven movie? No one ever thinks that. It's so kind of distanced from that, and honestly, I'm kind of happy about that.
0: Yeah, I think by that point, people are just sort of... like Hollywood is just sort of sick of him at this point, and the similar thing that happened in his home country happens in Hollywood. If he sort of gets like run out and people are like, we're not going to finance your like dirty movies, bro. And now he makes movies in France, um, which are good. Makes sense. Yes. It tracks. Uh, wonder, wonder when he'll get run out of that country. Which country you want to see him go to next to make his dirty movies? I think he's
1: going He's going back to um the Netherlands. It all comes full circle. Well, he went back for a little bit. He did. did he? Bl- he did Black Book.
0: Oh, see, I guess I thought that was. I haven't seen that, but I guess I thought that was his first French production. No, that okay. was a
1: that was a that was a Dutch film because it was okay. um Carice van Houten and it was like Dutch slash German because it takes place during um Nazi during the Nazi occupa- occupation of the Netherlands. It's probably it is Verhoeven's most like straight to the camera, like not winking or anything Hmm. it is his most like earnest attempt at something yeah where it's not like i don't think he has any like intent like ill intentions i don't think he's trying to play it up for camp i don't think he's trying to do any of that it is it is a serious verhoven film and it's one of his best honestly um but it is doesn't necessarily have the dna of what we were expecting it's a much more kind of like uh restrained look at uh kind of at that it's like a spy thriller
0: oh okay
1: and it does have like the sex the nudity all that but it's not played with like such a winking eye it's played so much more with like more of like an oh god she's having to like do this with nazi officers to stay alive and i mean like verhoeven was born in the Netherlands in like 1938 so it's like something i think that's very personal to him and that he wanted to take seriously um good movie it's it's a little hard to watch it's two and a half hours um and i don't think it's streaming anywhere but good movie
0: yeah so i mean the the i guess the first movie he makes in france is is l which you and i I I both really love
1: love love Um, that
0: l is were you aware point. he tried to make that in the United States first yes. and and Nicole Kidman was going to be in it and they just uh, couldn't get finance?
1: Yep. Um, L point blank period is my favorite Paul Verhoeven film.
0: Okay. I was about G- to ask you your favorite. I'd probably go with either Starship Troopers or Robocop, but that's I, maybe more the
1: straight white boy it. answer. <laughs> I love L. I I mean, I think I think I am in a vast minority of that, but like I just love, I think L is kind of the perfect culmination in terms of my own taste of mm-hmm. verhoeven doing something serious but also still having a little bit of camp a lot of like luridness to it
0: it's and, like, it's, it's certainly you know it's aggressively crossing the line and trying to provoke you as an audience member. yeah
1: but it's but not so much so that i feel like it's like oh does that make you mad does that trigger you does that right. do all that it's like i think it's really really smartly played and i definitely and i uh i've always appreciated that i think isabel lupair uh to this day i'm fucking furious she, she should have won know.
0: best actress that's she the best performance best period from that year of that anyone I mean, gave the
1: only other one that i think that could have gone up against her was natalie portman and jackie but mm. ne- she didn't win either so i don't fucking care yeah it it was emma stone which like she did great but now looking back at it five years later this really is one of those moments where like i think we should hold the oscars five years later yes just like like this upcoming year we just have the 2017 oscars
0: that's a fun I, I i don't know if you've ever listened to bill simmons used to do this on his podcast all the time would like bring bring people on like like wesley morris from the new york times and they would like redo the oscars for the major that's categories fun. like five years after they happen and it would be just like a completely different set of winners yeah nine because times i out of mean ten.
1: if you think about like what's kind of held on i mean i don't think l has hold on held on to the public consciousness other than my public consciousness because like watch it literally like at least once a year it's kind of it's it's kind of a christmas movie for me i find i watch it a lot of times in december
0: but i've only seen it the once when it came out but i mean like it's it's a difficult sell for i think like a normal kind of like i just want to fire something up but like i agree with you of like man woman just people in general like she gave the best performance that of anyone in that entire year. Just,
1: I mean, genuinely. And like that's saying a lot. Cause Isabella pair has given amazing performances throughout her entire career. So for kind of everyone to agree so heavily that this is her best performance means Jesus Christ. It is a performance and a half.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you saw last year the Tony Scott and Manola Dargus like did their list of like who are the 50 best working actors right now and she was number 2.
1: Honestly, I I agree. She's one of my favorite actresses alive. Just yeah. truly great. I think I have a feeling I have a feeling she probably w- was sought after to be in Benedetta as the Charlotte Rampling character and I feel like yeah. I feel like there was probably a scheduling conflict there.
0: That makes sense. I love Charlotte Rampling in the movie. She's but that, so good at it. She's that, so good. I, I can easily see that being Isabelle Huppert.
1: Yeah, and I don't. You know, we don't get to see Charlotte Rampling do um, Fridge cinema that much anymore. So right. Um. So yeah. But yeah. So I'll,
0: I'll I'll clear out the runway, but for you to to talk about this movie, which you know, maybe the only tea up I'll give is like, maybe this is the the project Berhoven Berhoven swerved to after like did. You probably know this too. Like he was going to do a crusades movie in the 90s yep. with Arnold Schwarzenegger which I have to imagine would t- have tackled some of the like similar like religious hypocrisy and sort of like hysteria um that this movie gets into just maybe on like a bigger blockbuster scale but um go that go buck wild. Killer.
1: Okay, so um Benedetta. Here we go. Lesbian nuns. Lesbian nuns. Lesbian nuns. Um, and that's Benedetta. Yeah. No. Um. No. I uh, granted it's. Uh, I. 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 I am reductive in that sense, but uh, it is a lot. You're not more than, wrong. I'm not wrong, but it's a lot more than <laughs> it's just a lot more le- than that. It's a lot more than just lesbian nuns. I think it's um, it's
0: not the what's the what's the fake trailer in Tropic Thunder where like toby Maguire and uh robert downey jr are ooh, are like the monks ooh. who it's it's like the devil's back alley or something like yeah.
1: that okay um so benedetta takes place in 17th century tuscany yes but they all speak french yes but
0: call ridley scott
1: I was about to say, but House of Gucci takes place in Milan, and they all speak English, so that's kind of a non-issue. But people are bringing that up a lot. Oh, see, I was
0: was thinking about when that one interviewer was like, so The Last Duel is set in France, but everyone's speaking English and he's like, go F yourself, just watch the movie.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I think a lot of people are looking at this and they're like, huh, why are they doing that? But it's like, they don't bat an eye to when Hollywood does it for 50 plus years. Um, but also, I am. I don't think that Italian Catholics would have let this movie, um, let this movie exist. So Probably not. You got to do it in France, where everyone's debaucherous. Um, but yeah, and it follows uh, a young, a young nun. Her name is Benedetta. Um, shocker, I know. Um, just kidding. The shockers come later. Um, but she grows up very young woman uh and she is just living her life until one day a uh, a young woman by the name of Bartolomea shows up at the convent seeking refuge from her abusive father uh after a whole kind of thing with that they take her in and soon um she finds both a a, a very intense let's say mutual attraction between herself and Bartolomea And during that, uh, she experiences such um, religious wonder in her intimacies with her that she begins to exhibit signs of stigmata and of speaking with Jesus directly.
0: Yes. And
1: that creates some tensions within the Catholic Church and within the convent itself and that is about as um implicit as i can be with a yeah there's like there's there's
0: there's also this fascinating thing that's like she's also like in love with the mother mary and like in love with jesus like there i saying is
1: <laughs> all i'm saying is that if netflix released this instead of ifc we would have gotten a statuette in the mail and it had it will have already would have already it will have been already shaved, been uh shaped shaved, and, and carved down, <laughs> yes, yeah, there would have been will an have already on been button.
0: rounded if that makes sense
1: yeah, there would have been an on button with it, um <laughs> like no i was I, I was thinking that the whole time I was watching, it. I was like, I have C better be glad that they only send us links because if we expected anything more um. But, and,
0: and it is also like there is kind of a humorous aspect of this that is like it's fucking hilarious, she, right? It it's got that Paul Verhoeven sense of humor, and there Jesus there is, is on a
1: horse with a sword,
0: right? Decap just like slicing up snakes from Satan, and then like decapitating people. rapists, yeah,
1: people, yes, that's the Jesus. I would be religious. The Catholics don't like my, this movie. <laughs> if that was my G, yeah, for real, you're you're really selling me on this, y'all. They're like, this is debaucherous. This is like blasphemous. I'm like, this makes me want to go to mass.
0: Yeah, and I, there is also like a funny idea that he's playing with that that is a little blasphemous of the idea of like, I love oh, Jesus. It's absolutely, right. Of of this like, I love Jesus, and they're like, that's that's cool. I love Jesus too. They're like, no, I no, like I am I in love... love with Jesus and like fantasize about him.
1: But it, it I was and that's the thing. It kind of brings this whole like, because. If you think about it, it's not the first time they've ever touched upon the fact that nuns are technically speaking brides of Christ. Right. This is just a movie where she takes the the wife part of it seriously to, to a whole
0: new level. Seriously,
1: yes. she does wifely duties and such like that and it's like, well, baby, y'all said it. We're just put like Paul Verhoeven's just putting it into into taking what you said and putting it on a movie now you're uncomfortable with it is the movie blasphemous yes does that make it all the better yes and
0: also like are are you know if if you are a person of of faith coming to this movie that there, there are the these sort of the the trappings to fall down on into being like oh i'm offended by this movie <gasps> but uh-oh what happened
1: no no i'm saying like that's, like, what they would be like. It's oh, like, hmm. oh! I thought you were,
0: like, scanning Twitter and, like, someone no. died or no, no, something. No, 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 <laughs> no. No, but, but like, at at its core, I think this is a movie that's got, like, a very kind of, like, pure message about, like, what is true faith versus, like, corrupt yeah. institutional faith, which is kind of, like, a, like, very, like, wholesome, like, bold kind of, like, no, to to, like, being a Christian and being for Christ is greater than being, like, part of, like... The church institution of like yeah the church can be corrupt but then like your faith can be pure is sort of the yeah. idea that this movie is dealing with it's just sort of doing it in a like hysterical loony kind of like arch provocative yeah. it's movie. one of the
1: more i find kind of pro-religion movies i've yeah seen, maybe not pro-religion pro-faith yes movies i've seen in a while because it is kind of anti-religion and in, in terms of organized religion and that um the church does not take kindly to uh to benedetta's plight and kind of like the way in which they kind of shuffle her up the ranks becomes a bit problematic and uh not problematic in the sense of that it's offensive but like problematic in the sense of like it's not necessarily what they want to hear from their uh from the religion in which they think they know everything about and it's and also con- a
0: threat to power. I mean, it's it's exactly. it's that's that's the biggest thing. Is it's not you know having a high stature in the church in this movie is is a a sort of badge of power mm-hmm. and sort of influence over other people. It's not necessarily I want to like do the serving of God or do the yeah. serving of Christ. And so Benedetta, sort of being this kind of vessel, is this like, um you know threat to that kind of establishment
1: yeah so um it, i think they i mean like i think it's like every other paul verhoeven film not in the sense that it does it, it it's anything like those but it's in the sense of i think if you take it at surface level you're just like oh how dare he how dare he like do all this etc cetera, etc cetera. but then when you actually take five seconds Mm -hmm. to look at what's going on and look at what type of story is being told. It's a lot smarter and a lot, a lot more sympathetic than what might appear on the surface. And I think it's a lot more sympathetic to people of faith than, than a lot of the more prominent voices coming out against the film would lead you to believe
0: yeah, and I I feel like that that fits into just sort of his whole filmography as a whole. Is he's someone who I feel like, you know, the people who don't understand him can ride him off as this just like troll who's out to just sort of like yeah. upset people. But yeah. you know, if he... you look
1: at the parent, if you look at the parents guide on IMDb, <laughs> which I think a lot of people are just going off of, yeah, it's gonna seem like a super offensive movie. There's lesbian nun sex. There's uh Jesus decapitating shit there's stigmata there's poop humor i don't even like poop humor but i was like oh my god he utilized it well it's actually kind of like a cool way to like not cool but like an effective way to like build a relationship between these two girls and like that that sounds really weird saying it i promise in the film it's not as bad <laughs> um but you know i just think there is this subtlety and this respect that's there more so than what you would believe just from hearing like oh this movie's wild yes it's wild but also i think it is uh i think it's just a very intimate personal story about how faith like actually reveals itself to people who particularly might be affected by it most
0: yeah and i think it's it's just also kind of like what i was getting at like Beerhoven's like a very very smart intellectual guy mm-hmm. who has like clear morals and stuff in his movies but just sort of like you know surrounds them it, they're almost like little landmines for i think you would just sort of like trip up on and miss the message of the movie is like you know he has this kind of like absurdist sense of humor and so he likes to throw these like absurd ridiculous provocative yeah. stuff in there but and he's, sex he's is got not
1: immoral right and that's one thing I think people take away from it. It's like, oh, these movies are immoral. And it's like, no, if anything, they kind of have more morals than a lot of other movies out there because they talk about, like, if we're talking about L, it's like talking about, like, the process of grief and moving on, but also forgiveness. And then with this, it's the concept of faith. And, um, and I think they're handled in ways better than a lot of people who, like, tread lightly on the subject do. And right. I think going... Like whole ass into it, I think prov- provides a bit more of a successful exploration of the themes that you would that Verhoeven wants to like achieve in his films more so than, uh, more so than someone who's trying not to offend anybody.
0: Yeah, he he is a a director who is very sort of like upfront about about sex in movies. Yeah. I mean, they, he and, had that he and and like what he had like the. What was the quote he had at Cannes when this movie like premiered where he was basically just sort of like there should be more sex in movies or something like that or he or he was basically just like it's just sex just like get over yourselves
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing it's like I don't know there are just some things in this where I'm like I feel like a lot of this if we just had less archaic views about sex particularly with this new film twitter approach of like most sex scenes and movies aren't necessary like type of shit um is that a take going around now oh my god it's been the take i feel like so many people are like oh my god there should not be sex in movies like I just try there's... not
0: to spend too much time on twitter anymore so <laughs> sometimes i miss these i mean some
1: talk like some real chronically online need to touch grass shit um <laughs> like yeah, so this is kind of the complete opposite of that. But what I just... That's just the thing. It's like, I just feel like there's so much more that gets to be said when you go so hard into how you go about the the storytelling. I think you get so much more of a... You get so much more of the message in RoboCop about mm-hmm. kind of like american policing but also like you know just kind of the same satire on like the the american action films but with like starship troopers in terms right. of like like imperialistic like militarism you get a lot more of that even though it's a movie about giant um like bug creatures
0: bug creatures
1: but at the same time i think had it not hit itself so hard against the wall of trying to get that out there. I don't think it would have worked as well. I think if he had tiptoed around that or like tried to like, Oh, actually it's a, it's a critique of this. And when you're watching the movie, it's like, really? Cause it's just a giant bug movie. Um, You wouldn't have gotten that. But I think because Verhoeven is so overt in the way in which he tells stories, it works in a way that I think, I think, someone else who is less overt than that wouldn't be able to pull off. But then I think if someone as overt as him, but not as clever did it, it would just be exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great balance.
0: He always has this attitude too of like, seems a little baffled that people like misread stuff of like, you know, if someone comes up to him and is like, starship troopers is fascist. he, He would kind of like squint and be like, are you stupid? Like it's a yeah. movie about fascism, yeah? Or like, do you or like, showgirls is you know misogynistic and sexist? And he'll be like, "That's the yes." Point, it's a Yolanda. movie about. <laughs> it's a movie about like the way we like over sexualize women, and and so like yeah, the, it, it, he is just such a fascinating figure to me. I mean, like I I can kind of wrap us up so we can move on to other yeah. stuff. But he he is just so fascinating to me. Of like yeah, is like the perfect example of a filmmaker that people often misread his stuff when it like comes out and and like either totally miss what the message is of it or the ideas that he's dealing with or sort of think he is sort of upholding the things he is critiquing in a way that like then years later we're like were those people stupid
1: Did they not yeah get that? and well i think it also has to do with a lot of the ways i mean granted we only get to see how um mostly american but i would say in general kind of english language just because of you know social media and stuff right. like the english language world kind of approaches his material and especially now that he's not making english language material anymore right. it's like a little bit different but i think it's just the way in which a lot of us as a society just react to types of content and films hmm again like we said verhoven uses sex he uses violence he uses these things that are provocative because they do elicit a response but we take it so much more as like what is detailed in like an mpaa rating Mm -hmm. more so than what something actually has to say regarding that like that content explicitly um benedetta does not have an MPAA rating um because i don't think they would have made r but that's fine (laughs) ifc is chill with that um genuinely one of my favorite movies of the year
0: yeah um i definitely recommend people people check it out and if you haven't seen any other paul Verhoeven movies like i said some of the the earlier stuff might be a little hard to track down but like yourself you can find any of the american stuff is like always readily streaming so um let's transition to we're, we're going to kind of just do a grab bag because we're we're so you and i we're in, in a critics Rose group we're uh season. yeah we're in the the midst of award season you and i are both trying to catch up on stuff so we can vote in our critics group um i think you're going to talk about some stuff i haven't seen i'm going to talk about some stuff you haven't seen but let's talk about something we've both seen that we probably should have talked about on this podcast like A couple weeks ago but but um,
1: i didn't see it until very recently
0: i didn't see it until very recently either which is uh belfast um the kenneth Branagh movie which i guess is our front runner for best picture that's this is the transition i wanted to be that how do you feel about about this 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 is our front runner right now i guess
1: uh, do you believe that no. no no i don't i still think i mean i don't know i just think i like to give oscar voters more credit than they deserve And I would like to think that they would lean towards something like power of the dog or like something like that. But
0: even King Richard, I would rather like if you're going to go with like a crowd pleaser, like go with that. Go with the one that I
1: think I think actually taps into like the emotional crowd pleasingness of it all. Right. Like more so than this. I think Belfast is aggressively fine.
0: Yeah, it's kind of so. For anyone who doesn't know, this is basically Kenneth Branagh's like autobiography. Roma. Yeah, his memoir, his Roma. It is a a black and white memory piece about his childhood growing up in Belfast, Ireland during the nineteen sixties and the kind of political turmoil that was going on there. That kind of like his the family initial, to leave.
1: Yeah, like the initial, the initial start of what came to be known as the Troubles. You know, going forward of. Right. Kind of the initial attacks on uh people in the wrong neighborhoods, you know, yes. Catholics the, the, and Protestants. Violence between
0: yeah, Protestants and Catholics. Yeah. And, and, and
1: more Ireland. so like British imperialists slash, you know, Irish independent people. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Um, it's it's
0: a complicated socio-political issue that like i'm kind of glad he doesn't get into the nitty-gritty of in this movie but i do sort of think the the movie's um its greatest strength is also its weakness in that this is like an adorably cute movie Uh, like really sweet and like that both i think is why it is sort of like winning over the people it's winning over but also i think why people like you and I and and like we're not alone why there is also another camp of people who are like that felt a little slight to me
1: and I don't want to agra- you know it's uh, it's very very overly sentimental
0: right I'm sort of like it yeah. it is it's <laughs> I kind of described it to someone last night was texting me ask, uh, asking me if I'd seen it and I sort of said like it it kind of can't help but feel like Kinebrana being like yeah a lot of people died and there's all this bad stuff happening but i had like a really magical childhood and went to the movies and fell in love and had like two really hot parents and
1: um things were pretty great for me um but here's (laughs) the thing and i'll actually defend that a little bit i i i think of it in the same way of like how i reacted to like not only day of, but like how the world changed, like post nine eleven. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. And
1: it's like, I was five years old, right? I was still vibing. Yeah, I wasn't like, oh my god, like these people, they're dead. I need to understand this complicated situation. I. I was – it was something that I couldn't fully comprehend, so I don't necessarily blame Kenneth Branagh for maybe not going in that direction because if we're going from his perspective as a child, he didn't know that. He didn't necessarily understand the intricacies of what went on then, and even then, that's – the Troubles are genuinely some of the more complicated or, like, overly, like – convoluted type of conflicts out there and it's still very much so in place today in northern ireland um because i've been to belfast oh my god i recognize places i actually did i I really did go to that titanic museum that's in the opening credits um Do
0: do you hang out and just listen to a lot of van morrison
1: um unfortunately not i was only there for a day so i mostly listened to the tour guide on a bus but um it's a really i love belfast reminds me a lot of uh the places in which i and my family are from so i grew up in durham north carolina my family's from memphis they're both kind of working class like kind of less respected cities Mm -hmm. um uh very industrial and i i just connect with that the people there are so fucking nice too like Mm -hmm. i was like huh really that's crazy because I feel like everything I've ever seen about Northern Ireland, makes you guys out to be really mean, but actually you're no, I, I mean it people. like, no, they're truly like an, an amazing people. Uh, as long as you still just don't bring up um shit like that. And I applied for a job in Northern Ireland back when I thought that was possible. And they literally ask you on the application. Are you Protestant or Catholic or neither? Oh, I was like, Oh, this is still very much so a thing in place here, yeah, cool it's yeah. twenty twenty but it, or it was twenty eighteen at the time but um yeah there i mean there are still the the neighborhoods are still very rigidly uh adhered to, in yeah. the city as well yeah it's, i don't
0: I don't know that my problem is necessarily like I, I wanted him to to telegraph more of like the like like I understand the argument of like he i like the the limited perspective we get of a kid but even then like the point when it comes to affect the family drama like i feel like the overall sort of like um warm sweet aesthetic of the movie kind of even sort of robs some of the like family drama stuff of like you know him overhearing his parents talking about like okay do we need to leave um, there's some money troubles going on in the family and even towards the end when they have to be sort of like saying their goodbyes and and there's the the sort of risk of like Spoiler oh might alert.
1: Not i mean i mean his life. Brana, i feel like he's been pretty kenneth open Bron- about what happened well to him. <laughs> kenneth brana doesn't i mean kenneth brana doesn't have a northern irish accent in real life or anymore so right um, i think that kind of implies the fact that he did not stay there I mean that was one of the things that when he made it I was like is Kenneth Branagh from Belfast what and then I looked it up and I was like oh initially so okay cool
0: yeah yeah so I feel like even the the sweetness of it even um I think rob some of the family drama in it particularly later in the movie of of it just sort of feels like well just new chapter of life and yeah. instead of like quite having the kind of like, like there's a moment at the end when they are sort of like th- fully going to leave Belfast that, that it is, I think it should be like a very like emotional kind of tear jerky moment, even yeah. if it's like a little bit forced, but kind of just feels like, well, we'll be back one day.
1: Also, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, I apologize. It's been out for a couple weeks now. So go see it. Um, actually, I don't really know if you, I mean, go see it if you want to. Um, why the fuck did they leave the grandma (laughs) she was alone i mean granted my grandma also lives alone 11 hours away from me but like that's her choice but like girl the grandpa had passed away and she was alone why the and they left her in a war zone excuse me i was like girl get judy dench back there you can get her over to england i promise she'll be fine I don't know. Yeah, that was one thing I was that's like that's another don't moment leave that
0: her! that's another moment that kind of like a perfect example of something where I'm like this should be a little bit more emotional than what it actually kind of is which yeah, is just sort like, like her watching them get on back. the bus and being like good luck buddy.
1: Yeah. And like I was like does he ever see her again? I guess not. I don't know. Like yeah, I you know.
0: It's I, just... I, it's it's not a really like bad movie. I think part of my frustration is just I I was just sort of like at the end of it like this is our our awards front
1: runner. It's kind and... of a collection of vignettes that come together yeah. as a feature length thing, but I don't think ever feel like a cohesive like entire film.
0: Yeah. Um. So I mean, l- listeners, feel free to like watch it and you know. Send well, I mean, it's going to about... be a major
1: player, so you're going to need to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even like the performances, like I don't know. Like I like I, I love Doran... Karen Hines, but like.
1: I thought Jamie Dornan was better in Barb and Star, if I'm being completely honest with you.
0: He's on my North Carolina Film Critics Supporting Actor ballot, but for that movie.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, he's great. And Katrina Balf is really good. She's but really like, good, too. I think that's the best
0: performance in the movie.
1: It is, absolutely. But... <laughs> like, the... I don't know. I just realized that this is fully an audio thing, so I can't just be making gay gestures of like, why? I don't get it. I don't know. It's not that I don't get it. It's just I don't connect with it in such an intense way as other people will.
0: Yes, that's that's fully where I am is I I just sort of left feeling like this is clearly like someone doing. And Roma is a perfect example of – this movie is so similar to Roma in sort of like its aesthetics and being the sort of memory piece by this filmmaker. But it's in English about
1: white people, so that's why it's more of a contender this year.
0: (laughs) Yes, and – but of like comparing it to Roma, like Roma is a movie that I felt like so emotionally overwhelmed at the end of, and I think that is a movie that like it's not going to get into – whatever stuff was going on in mexico at that time but you clearly get from the atmosphere of the movie of like there's some kind of like tumultuous stuff brewing in the background of this movie that is sort of like a potential threat to the the characters at its center and even the family drama of like is this family going to hold together feels more um at stake than it does in this movie. I I just felt like it's reaching for such similar stuff, but that was sort of like an example of like I felt so emotionally overwhelmed by by Roma and so so swept up in it. Yeah. And this movie I kind of left being like that was cute. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so. I mean that's that it, it, it is just very slight for a movie that is being touted as such an awards player.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about some other stuff. Um Anything else good you've been watching? You watch Cyrano, which is coming I watched out Cyrano. I don't I don't know if we'll be able to do a full episode on it, so feel free to like I know you're a Joe Wright just because December is like insane. Yeah. I was like looking ahead at the stuff we're going to cover on well, the show this December. Well, Cyrano's not right?
1: until January actually. It's getting like a one week LA thing. Oh, in that's December, true. But it's not coming out until January 21st. But Cyrano. Okay, um, so maybe we'll come back to it.
0: Okay. But continue.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um yeah, Cyrano's Joe Wright film. It is an adaption of um Cyrano de Bergerac. It is but specifically it is an adaption of the 2018 musical adaptation of it that they did. Uh... It was not a Broadway production. It was like a small like theater production out in if I'm correct, Connecticut question mark. Okay. But um it was Adapted by, uh, oh God, uh, I think her name is Erica Schmidt.
0: It's Peter Dinklage's wife, right?
1: Yes. Um, yeah, Erica Schmidt. Uh, Peter Dinklage's wife. Peter Dinklage played Cyrano in the, um, the stage adaption of the musical. Um, as well as Haley Bennett was in it as well, who is Joe Wright's partner. Mm. Um, and. Uh, also stars Kelvin Harrison Jr. from Loose and uh, Waves uh, as Christian, and it is obviously the adaption of, uh, of *Of Cyrano de Bergerac, but the music is done by um, the band The National, which...
0: Which I'm not a fan of, so I that's that's maybe my hesitation it a doesn't little bit with this. Have,
1: It doesn't have... It doesn't feel like that, honestly. Okay. It def it's kind of more like a version of Les Mis that doesn't make me want to kill myself. But I'll say I'll say this in and of itself. Um, this movie is like so incredibly charming, and everyone okay. is so good in it. Peter Dinklage is fabulous. Haley Bennett is that bitch. Period. Um, I think Haley Bennett should. I think Haley Bennett should have the career of Jennifer Lawrence, but we're not allowed to say that, I guess. Um, oh, okay. And then Calvin Harrison Jr. Is also really good in it. But what I just, what I just love about it is a, the music has been absolutely stuck in my head. It's not one of those musicals. That's so musical that it like beats you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to justify itself just because you've seen Cyrano in so many different ways at this point that like, I'm, I'm not
0: i'm not familiar with it but that also could be i'm just not. but cultured. here's the
1: thing you've probably <laughs> seen something based off of sierra okay and you didn't know it it's one of those like movies that gets um like those you know like the she's the man or type of yeah like, things yeah. where like they update it to like teen movie standards they did one this year actually with um oh jared gilman from moonrise kingdom in it they shot it like four years ago because he was kind of mortified that it was getting released this year because he is um if you don't follow him on twitter he's absolutely hilarious Mm -hmm. um but i am just very happy because joe wright i love joe wright but i like i like i don't know how to this seems this. more
0: up his what he should yes. be doing than like yes. the last couple projects have.
1: Yeah, it is the first Joe Wright film that feels like a Joe Wright film since Anna Karenina nine years ago. Okay, and that's the Joe Wright I love. Anna Karenina is my favorite Joe Wright film. Period. You're, but you're like, selling
0: me a bit more because that that one in Pride and Prejudice, I Pride think those Prejudice, are his two best movies.
1: Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, Anna Karenina. Those oh, are what, what I, I think of Atonement. when I think of Joe Wright. But mm-hmm. since then, Joe Wright has been trying to branch out and do more like, oh, wow, Joe Wright directed this type of movies. And they just unfortunately don't work as much because since then right. you had Pan. Oh, That's right. <laughs> that was the first time I was like, Joe, I've never seen that.
0: That's the Peter Pan movie where they have the Nirvana musical number, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. <laughs> Sure is. Um, and then he did um he did Darkest Hour. That which, movie's okay. Um it's not a Joe Wright film though. Yeah Joe Wright directs fun. it, but <laughs> it's <fun. laughs> It's not a film that hinges on him as a director. It's no. a film that hinges on uh, Gary Oldman as an actor
0: much more stripped Uh, down than like some of his other movies are
1: absolutely and then he did he did woman in the window yeah one of the worst movies of the year oh god i didn't see it but i actually did read the um i did read the synopsis of it a couple days ago and i was like oh i forget who came on
0: for that episode but we were basically like the book is garbage too yeah
1: well, I just I think the the story around the the author is far more interesting than the actual. Oh, that's true. The author is just crazy, but yeah, <laughs> that's it's a your, movie right
0: there. Yeah, not, I not think it's book. I think
1: it's going to be. I think Jake Gyllenhaal Hall's playing him. Oh, but Jake Gyllenhaal pl- is set up for every project right that's now. That's true. Though. Yeah. Um. But this is the first Joe Wright film that feels in like it is it is a costume drama. Mm-hmm. But it it's a little bit different in that this takes place in uh, 15th century or no seventeenth century France as opposed to wow, we're really going in on seventeenth century uh oh wait, no, that's 17th century Tuscany and Benedetta, but they speak French. And this is 17th century France, but they speak English, and they also sing. Um, but it's it it's a little bit different of a uh of style in terms mm-hmm. of that, but at the end of the day, it still is this big grand costume drama um that i think actually fits as a musical i know a lot of people a lot of people are going in like this is a musical i'm like they're actively singing in the trailer so i don't know what you expected but um it's just a charming film and it's uh it's one of the better movies that has made me just kind of feel good this year, despite the fact that mm. there's a lot of really sad shit going on. Yeah. Um, just the way in which uh, the way in which particularly uh, the three leads, Dinklage, Bennett and Harrison all kind of interact with each other. It's all very sweet and it's all very kind of light until it isn't. But even then that shift to a little bit heavier material actually fits. And I think is really benefits from the music um, Mm. in a way that a lot of kind of grander Broadway shows that are more about the musical numbers and like all the big ensemble pieces, this is a lot more pared back. It's a lot more um, intimate and you can kind of tell that this was a, a musical that was meant to be seen kind of in a smaller theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it, it translates really well to, well, to film, it is one that I don't, think is going to be a major player this year i don't i was think about that...
0: to ask do you think it's arriving a little too late i, I yes. mean it, it premiered at telluride and got yes. like a pretty warm reception there but like because it's not getting released until so late in the year if you think it's, it's going to be it's a little it's that late for party. and it's
1: a mixture of it is it is down on the list of mgm's movies that they care about this year they're okay. pushing licorice pizza they're pushing house of gucci they're mm-hmm. pushing, um they're pushing, like... I've even seen to... they're
0: pushing the, the Bond movie pretty they're hard, pushing, too. They're
1: pushing Bond for technical stuff. Um I mean, granted, they're kind of hoping for other stuff, but I think that's what they're mainly pushing for. Shit, they're even pushing respect for um, Jennifer Hudson. Mm-hmm. So this, I don't think, is very high up on their priority list. And unfortunately, that's how award season kind of works is how much how much stock a a studio puts into a film and despite the fact this is a weird film in that it's produced by working title who is like partly owned by universal so all of their Mm. stuff is usually made with universal and or uh and or focus features but this is an mgm film it's a it's a strange thing but um yeah by january by the time it comes out in late january um i think a lot of the the award stuff will have dried up a little bit so don't don't take its late arrival as a as a sign of of no faith from the studio it is a it is a good film and it's worth watching
0: well another movie uh i saw recently that kind of kind of I think pairs with with this in terms of like it's arriving very late in the award season only really had kind of like one major screening and you know is based off of a like classic piece of of literature that um you know we've seen adapted multiple times uh I saw tragedy of macbeth which Uh-oh. is the uh <laughs> it's a uh, Joel Coen's of the Coen brothers his sort of uh, adaptation of Macbeth, the famed I don't know. If you don't know what Macbeth is, maybe
1: Yeah, like go, at go that Go back point, to
0: English class, I don't know. Like yeah, you should have been paying uh, more
1: attention. It's like, yeah, at that point, if you don't know, I'm sorry. So there's
0: this guy, William Shakespeare.
1: Um Listen, if I'm being <laughs> completely honest, though, Macbeth is my favorite Shakespeare. Mine so, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's the one with the most drama, the most intrigue. It's got um it's got a lot of really scary women in it, and that makes for some really good performances. Granted, haven't seen *Tragedy of Macbeth* because all of those IMAX screenings weren't in North Carolina.
0: Yeah. Um. So it stars Denzel Washington and Frances McDormand in the the sort of titular roles of Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Um. I think kind of like what you're talking about with Cyrano in terms of awards conversation. I don't really know where this one might be a little late to the party as well as I think, um, you know, it is it is an insanely stylish, albeit like very straightforward adaptation of the play. Yeah. Um, you know, it was interesting afterwards. There was a Q&A with Joel Cohn and Francis McDormand and they specifically mentioned there was only one line that they changed from the original text that it was like a very minor change of like uh something that was like present tense that they made past tense and the the sort of biggest change they made was just to make macbeth and lady macbeth older um and but i i i i I guess while I don't know how this will fare, I think certainly in cinematography, the cinematography in this movie is is unbelievable
1: like which is, is also it, really impressive, given the fact that the entire film was shot on sound stages in Burbank yes
0: and and I think the cinematography feeds into the most interesting aspect of this movie, which this is sort of like what if we turned Macbeth into a noir um you know, the Cone brothers are clearly like they've made noirs they've made neo-noirs they're very familiar with sort of like the aesthetics and sort of storytelling beats of noir and to me the most interesting aspect of this was someone who is a fan of noir clearly looking at Macbeth and being like oh Macbeth has in it all of the sort of like themes and character archetypes of a classic like Hollywood noir what if we just made Macbeth in its most sort of like straight form as a a old school noir movie and in the style of a noir movie and that's that's interesting and I sort of just had this light bulb moment the entire time watching it being like how oh how has no one like thought to do this before yeah like it's it it once 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 you make that connection watching it you're like of course it's like yeah it, it is so obvious that like this would easily be transferable to this other kind of genre Everyone and moves in
1: shadows. There are plenty of femme fatales. There are, you know, it's... Right, it, it there's, there's this troubled sense.
0: anti-hero who, like, does this terrible thing, and then there's gotta be, like, retribution against it. Um, yeah. You know, performance-wise, I think everyone in the movie is great. I mean... But... No, everyone in the movie's great. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, I was about
1: to say, like, who who does the best, though? and
0: um, Oh, the best is this woman named Catherine Hunter, who... I've heard. I doubt anyone i had never seen her before but she is apparently like a legend in the the theater world Mm -hmm. and she plays the witches witches. and you know this is is a movie with like denzel washington (laughs) doing macbeth in all of his like thunderous charisma and yet like this woman who plays the witches you is just like i you know us talking about who we're going to what and what we're going to nominate for like our critics. I mean, New York some critic
1: circle gave she, her best supporting actress. So. I think
0: well deserved. She's she's maybe near the top of my list for stuff that in our critics group I'm I'm batting for in the supporting actress category of just Word. like she totally steals the scene the the movie every time she's on screen and is such a like incredible physical performance um and just the way I think the witches are um rendered visually in this movie is like really striking and really surreal and interesting um so i I don't know i i think it's it's i don't know how big of an awards player it's going to be i think there's been a little bit of confusion and i i've heard with like just between people in in our circles who do kind of like entertainment coverage of how apple is releasing this movie and this this event that i went to is really kind of the first time that they kind of unveiled the movie publicly since the new york film festival Yeah. if i'm correct
1: they're releasing it in select theaters on christmas yes and And then then it'll get apple tv on like january 17th something
0: like that it's like mid-january it'll go on apple tv plus or whatever that's called and um but yeah there'll be a very small i guess qualifying run over the christmas holidays i I
1: hope i hope it's a little bit bigger than that i hope they they take it into some more theaters i know we have been um at the theater in which i work at um we're a smaller smaller art house theater but we have been um we've been playing all of apple stuff this year and Mm -hmm. are even playing swan song which i think has been a long ploy to somehow get this film in which um we still haven't confirmed that yet. Oh uh, we yeah, finally I, confirmed Licorice Pizza after playing all of MGM stuff this year, but
0: well, that's something. I I will say it was fascinating seeing this. I was wondering how this was going to translate to IMAX and I think this is a case of like how tall the IMAX screen yeah, is. I was really like, that fits has this to movie. Be
1: great. What uh this is off topic. Um what theater in Atlanta was it at?
0: It was at um Oh gosh, I should know. It was like the the Regal Atlantic sixteen Atlantic it, station. Yeah. It's got, I've been to
1: that IMAX. That yes. is a big one. That's a good one.
0: Yeah. So I, I was a bit sort of like because I knew it's very stagy in how it's constructed. Um and I it it does have that kind of like you're more of an, an aspect ratio junkie than I am, but it's it's got the more kind of like squared aspect yeah. ratio. And I was wondering I think it's the same one that was on the sort of Snyder Justice League and it, you know, the same Uh, reason he was kind of justifying that in the, in the, in, in public of like, it's, it's the height of it, seeing that it on IMAX, even though no one watched it in IMAX, but this, that worked for Macbeth in that seeing just sort of like the height and sort of the, the entire body really of like Denzel Washington sort of performing to you on still, i
1: almost feel like this fits a little bit more because it's like you said it's a little bit more intimate a little bit more um Mm -hmm. like paired back which i think works a little bit better in its favor in terms of the four by three aspect ratio than something like justice league which i think justice league was more so because they shot so much of it with imax cameras specifically Mm-hmm. and that it was you know imax cameras the 70 millimeter shoots in 1.43 to 1 so narrowing it down to 1.33 3 actually takes away less of the image than cropping it vert or like horizontally to 16 by 9 so right i get it um i think this might feel a little bit more um a little bit more kind of paired back in that especially because it was just shot on an area lexa but like uh still I think that would be really cool. I wish they would put it out in more IMAX theaters going forward, but as long as I can see it on a big screen, I think that's yeah. all I care about.
0: Yeah, I would. I definitely recommend it. Like I said, I don't know how big of a player it will be. Even, even. I mean, Denzel doing Macbeth is clearly like a, a feast for the senses, but even yeah. then, like, the Best Actor race is already pretty crowded this yeah. year. Um, I but... remember
1: seeing... Um, angela bassett do lady Macbeth once and like oh. a couple things and she did like she did a monologue of it in an interview once because someone was like girl we know that you do all this serious stuff why don't you give us a little something and she was like oh i couldn't i couldn't and then just led directly into it fabulous because she i mean angela bassett is one of those people it's like she seems so nice until like that switch is turned on in mm-hmm. acting where she can be terrifying and i think that could have worked really well too but i'm very excited to see this whole thing because there's nothing about the production that leads me to believe that this won't be something i will absolutely enjoy
0: yeah like like i said i think i think it's because it is sort of like from a text point of view sort of a more straightforward you, you know it is i think the thing that might not make it as noisy as to as as we might have initially expected is you know you get out the end of it and you're like that was like a very stylish like well done kind of theater production of macbeth um which is to not say that it is it doesn't work as cinema like it Uh is it it fully works and is super stylish and you know is is getting into that like almost sin city territory of like how it's using black and white and stuff like that okay Um,
1: i i like that
0: so would definitely encourage people check that out. Um, but for now, I think we're we're kind of running out of time. But
1: yeah. go see smaller movies. Don't just go see Spider-Man.
0: Yes. But um, also if
1: you want to go see Spider-Man, I can't stop you from doing that either.
0: If you want to see Spider-Man, that's cool. But you know, check out other stuff. Yeah. Uh coming up in the next weeks on the on the latest, because it's gonna be jam packed. Uh next week, Spielberg episode. Very fun. I feel like I've been prepping for this since I was like 12. Um, we'll also do an episode on the Matrix. So we got a new Matrix movie coming out. Spider-Man episode. Probably talk some Nightmare Alley. Oh, maybe, yeah, that too. Ma- maybe some Don't Look Up.
1: I missed the screening for that. Oops.
0: I did too. Um, yep. I've been hounding Netflix trying to, you know, let
1: me see it. Uh, yeah, good luck with that.
0: And maybe, um you know, have a couple slices of licorice pizza
1: maybe maybe (laughs) maybe we'll see uh they're gonna start uh making they're just gonna keep pushing the release date further back and further back just to keep the keep the audience more and more exclusive with it uh
0: well hunter thank you again for for stopping by this week maybe we'll bring you back for a uh best movies of the year episode maybe maybe